Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on a national community radio satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow, Slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Here we go. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live. It comes from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne Community Radio. It is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Well, nature may call. You may need to hang around the tort for 20 minutes. You may miss our dulcet tones. Don't take the transistor into If you've got a transistor or your phone, don't take it into the toilet because I can smell what's going on, okay? Maybe the bikey next door needs a cup of sugar for his meth lab and knocks on your door and asks politely. You never know what's going to happen. You may get a drone come through your front window. Who knows? But... It is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. And if you're wondering what anarchy is all about, no, it's not about drones. The word anarchy, anarchos, without rulers. So the central question is, how do you create a society without rulers? Well, what gives rulers power? Concentration of power and concentration of wealth. Inequalities in power and wealth are the uh, breakfast cereal of those who exercise power. That's their breakfast cereals, inequality in power and wealth. So the anarchist struggle is the struggle to devolve power, that's share power, and the struggle to share wealth. A very simple struggle. So it's not necessarily a revolutionary struggle. Obviously, in the end, it's a revolutionary struggle. But sometimes we go up reformist pathways for a variety of reasons because if we can be involved in struggles to improve people's lives, share power and share wealth, we are on that journey to create a society without rulers, an anarchist society. Okay, I remember last week I called Mr Morrison, our Prime Minister, unfunded empathy, evil. Well... You wouldn't believe it, the number of people who agree with me. There must be at least two in the whole of Australia. Now, I just want to, as I said, this is a man, slippery, eel. He makes Billy Hughes look like a saint. And if you don't know who Billy Hughes is, look him up. He was a slippery prime minister. Now, this is a man who has a difficulty telling the truth. You know why we're going to the Gulf of... Hamas, or Hamas, whatever it's pronounced. 
It's got nothing to do with Iran. It's about freedom of navigation. Well, why aren't we in the South China Sea on a daily basis if it's about freedom of navigation? So, Mr Morrison, ah, I don't think so. Then we've got the ridiculous situation of uh, the government still refusing to s- send the five or 600 asylum seekers which are left on Nauru and Manus Island to New Zealand. And then we had the coup de grace in terms of evil, the government pushing, hell-bent, on revoking the legislation which was passed late last year to allow seriously ill refugees and asylum seekers on Nauru and Manus Island to be medi-evacuated to Australia for treatment. Is this the type of thing you'd expect from a happy, clapper, Christian fundamentalist? No. Well, let's move on. I mean, I could go on and on, but I'm not going to bother. Look, I'm really interested in the Amazon jungles burning, not just in Brazil, but all over South America, including Bolivia. And I think it raises an exceptionally important question about what is happening in the world today. And you know I like a little bit of history, so I'm going to go back over 2,000 years to ancient Rome. Now, when the ancient Romans uh, began their campaign of conquest, successful conquest, they had all these slaves. And with these slaves, they created great agricultural states across Europe, especially southern Europe, which provided the food and uh, resources necessary for an expansive militarist uh, empire. And what happened with the creation of these estates is that Roman citizens were basically left in the lurch. They were stripped of their rights, but more importantly, they were stripped of their assets. So what we are seeing in the Amazon was the Amazon burning because... The Amazon has got a long tradition of indigenous people using slash-and-burn techniques uh, to grow food, but on an exceptionally small scale. What we are seeing is the growth of corporate agriculture, not just in the Amazon, but in Australia. And the growth of corporate agriculture, in my opinion, is one of the most serious threats that we face on this planet not just in terms of uh, climate warming, but in terms of the destruction of family-owned farms. And if you look at the statistics in Australia, what you've seen is the growth of corporate agriculture. And corporate agriculture is basically agriculture which is financed by large corporations, which has uh, employees running those states and they're little more than estates and they really don't really care regarding the damage which is caused to the environment and to local people because all they're interested in is maximising profits irrespective of the human, social and environmental costs. So what we are seeing with the burning of the Amazon and the destruction of the forests in Indonesia and Malaysia we are seeing the growth of corporate agriculture, palm oil, Indonesia and Malaysia, coffee in South America, 
beef, soya beans, and the list goes on and on. So basically, these are land, these are absentee landlord estates, just like in the old days during the Spanish Revolution when uh, things pushed, went to shove and people took over the estates. So we do find ourselves in this situation where profitability comes before everything else. And when you've got governments which are sympathetic maybe because of bribes, maybe because of political pressure, who knows, that are sympathetic to the aims of corporate agriculture. As we see in Australia, what we see is not just environmental degradation. All you've got to do is look at the Murray-Darling Basin to see what's happening there with cotton and rice, with corporate rice and and um, cotton estates, and I like to use the word estates, in Australia beef estates, and the list goes on and on. But we also see the destruction of family-owned farms. And if there's one thing you need to do is look at the statistics on the number of farms that have disappeared in Australia over the last three to four decades as the National Party, formerly the Country Party, has deserted its grassroots and jumped on the corporate agricultural bandwagon. It's quite an extraordinary situation because corporate agriculture is bad for the environment, it's bad for the land, it's bad for the water, it's bad for the local residents, it's bad for the employees, and the list goes on and on. So these Amazon fires and deforestation we are seeing even in West Papua as palm oil estates are being uh, planted in West Papua What we are seeing is the rise and rise of corporate agriculture where you've got corporations dictating policies to governments. So when you look at the fires in that way, you can understand what's actually going on. And then if you come back to Australia and look at what's happened to agriculture in this country to a significant degree over the last three to four decades, you begin to understand that it's time that smaller farmers began to realise that people like the National Party are not interested in their welfare. All you've got to do is look at the dairy sector to see what's happening. The National Party has no longer any interest in uh, ordinary farmers. It's basically, basically just a, you know, it's just part and parcel of the corporate agricultural sector. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. And why am I concerned? Well, obviously, if corporate agriculture provides most of the food for the nation and most of the food around the world, we see the expansion of the genetically modified agricultural industry. We see the destruction of our traditional indigenous lifestyle. We see the destruction of small fa- small to medium-sized family farms. We see the manipulation of the marketplace in such a way as to ensure that only those involved in the corporate agricultural sector continue to make profits or 
absentee landlords, which could include you, that's right, through your superannuation fund. We see the degradation of the environment. We see increasing in uh, climate change and uh, all the associated uh, problems which occur with that. So think about it. Just don't think about it as some fires and some foolish president in Brazil, some, you know, some fascist, you know, who, uh, you know, is more interested in his own self than anything, than his country. Uh, think of it in a, in a wider context and um, bring back those lessons to Australia and actually see what's actually occurring. Fires in the Amazon, the destruction of the Murray-Darling Basin and other waterways in Australia. The parallels are extraordinarily similar. All right, let's move on. Now, a lot of people have a lot of trouble understanding El Presidente, the Groper, President Groper, a.k.a. Trump. Now, I finally worked him out. I have finally worked him out. And I'm surprised nobody else has uh, worked him out. Or, well, I haven't heard anybody else look at this in this way. But our mate, Mr Trump, sends out a tweet. The market falls. He sends out another tweet. The market rises. He sends a tweet. Gold rises. He sends a tweet. Gold falls. Now, remember, this is a man who has been fighting tooth and nail to ensure that the world doesn't know that he actually doesn't pay any taxes. Because if he did, I'm sure he'd be happy, you know, to uh, show his uh, files to the to the American people. So what I think is going on, it's got nothing to do with, you know, the trades in balance and issues regarding China. It's all about Mr Trump and his family and their fortunes. Think of the money that can be made by his cronies and his family every time that a tweet goes out. Now, I'm quite confident that this is what we are seeing. We are seeing a manipulation of the financial sector on a global scale to enrich the, the Trump family and their cronies. It's all a matter of him saying to his family or one trusted aide in the family, maybe even his son, look, sonny boy, I'm going to put out a tweet today, buy this, sell this, and bang, hundreds of millions of dollars flow into the Trump coffers, the Trump family fortune. It's a great way to make a buck. You know, if you're you're powerful enough to send a tweet which has a significant impact on the financial markets, I am quite confident that a man like Trump whose business uh, activities over the last, you know, the last four to five decades have been questionable, to say the least, would have no hesitation in manipulating the market, in you know, savaging the uh, treasury, in order to improve his family's financial position, especially in a society 
where money talks and money bends iron bars. Think about it. Why else do we have these ups and downs, ups and downs? It's a classical investment strategy. You talk down the market. You sell before you talk down the market. Then you talk down the market. The market goes down. You buy. Classic strategy which is employed by uh, hedge fund managers around the world. It's a, tra- it's a strategy which Trump is now employing to enrich himself and his family at the expense of the world, not just at the expense of the people in the United States of America, who he is treating like fools, especially his support base, who are the ones who are going to be most hurt by this type of activity, but even here in Australia. There are ramifications as the dollar drops and the market the market instability creates issues for all these people who've got money in superannuation funds these days. The thing is, these days, interest rates are so low, as you know. Inflation is 1.6%. Return on your uh, cash is 1%. You're going backwards. There are all these sharks circling around telling you, put your money in the markets, put your money in the markets, put your money in the markets, and you'll get great returns. Well, you got the groper, investor extraordinaire, manipulating the marketplace, not for the people of the United States of America, but for his own personal gain. Listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Hypocrisy. Now, you know and I know that hypocrisy is a wonderful thing because it makes the world go round. As people keep telling you, do as I say, don't do as I do. Now, look, I'm quite happy to see the turmoil turmoil in Hong Kong. I'm quite happy for people struggling to get a little bit of uh, power. But I'm also unhappy at the way the Australian government and Australian media is reporting on the Hong Kong protests while turning their back and removing the ability of people to protest in Australia. Could you imagine the outcry in the corporate-owned media and the government guild at ABC and among, among politicians and the community as a whole If we talk to the streets and start throwing uh, Molotov cocktails and a few bricks and breaking a few windows, imagine those of you who've been keeping tabs on what's happening as far as protest is concerned, think about the legislation which has been introduced, not just at the state government level, but at the federal level, 
to deal with peaceful protests by vegans in this country. Although we have trespass laws which are quite severe, we are going to see the introduction of laws which can see people jailed for up to five years for trespassing on agricultural property. Think about it. I mean, we glorify the fact that the the totalitarian capitalist government in China, I refuse to use the word communist when I speak about them, is using force to attempt to curtail protests for uh, greater rights in Hong Kong. Well, at the same time, as a community and the fourth estate, as well as the politicians at the regional, at local, state and federal level, are falling over themselves to pass legislation to criminalise legal, legitimate protest in this country. That's right. Legal, legitimate, peaceful protest. And when you see the uh, ALP in Queensland talk about passing legislation which would basically see the automatic jailing of people involved in environmental protests because they're involved in a sit-down on a street, peaceful sit-down, you begin to understand that this is a, these governments are really not interested in us exercising our rights. For example, over the past four weeks, including today, we'll be outside Southern Cross Station in Melbourne. Because even there, the, the footpath has been almost totally privatised. And every time we have gathered there over the past 20 years, on the 97, on the 90 centimetres of space that it's supposedly to be a public footpath, all we do is get harassed by police and private security guards. Although during the last four weeks, we've been able to create a standoff situation where we have stood our ground and have actually conducted our protests in a peaceful manner without being harassed because of our ability to stand our ground week after week after week. Now, we shouldn't have to do that. We shouldn't live in a country where if you're involved in a sitting, in a building, you can be jailed for up to 25 years in the current so-called anti-terrorist laws. And we shouldn't be living in a country which calls itself democratic where legislation is consistently, constantly passed to remove what few rights and liberties people are able to exercise in terms of voicing their opinions or freely associating with like-minded people. And we've seen this disease now spread to the corporate-owned media and the government girl at ABC where the government is so emboldened and the security agents are so emboldened by the current laws that they are now prosecuting people for exposing government secrets. It's gone back to the bad old days where you shoot the messenger. You don't deal with the issue. And currently there are a number of court cases going on in this country which highlight the uh, that particular situa- the situation we currently find ourselves in. So wouldn't it be wonderful to see politicians 
and the corporate-owned media and the government guild at ABC say on the 7th of October, when there will be national protests against uh, global warming and extinction, possible extinction, by saying, wasn't it wonderful that these people were freely able to exercise their opinion in this country? Isn't it wonderful that they can do that in this country, unlike the people of Hong Kong, who find themselves on some occasions facing police with water water cannons and tear gas. Now, I can assure you that on the 7th of October, that will not be the response. The response will be all about ensuring that legislation is passed that people can't actually freely protest in this country. So when you talk about hypocrisy, I think this is one of the biggest things that uh, you'll see for, you'll come across for a long time. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the community radio satellite. My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. The Anarchist World this week has been on air for almost 42 years in various guises. It's been in the community radio network for uh, almost 15 years. It's broadcast live via the community radio network. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. The uh, main strategy of the Anarchist World this week is to actually uh, encourage you to take action, encourage you to get involved with groups that are taking action. I mean, we can have all the knowledge in the world, but knowledge without action is tantamount to supporting the status quo. It's tantamount to collaboration, knowledge without action. If you know that things aren't quite right and you want to set set things straight, it's important to remember that if you have the knowledge and you refuse to act, you are basically supporting that particular issue. You're collaborating with that particular group, that particular government, to ensure that these inequalities continue ad nauseum. Now, I've been a little bit, you know, I love, I love the fourth estate. I really love it. They run and run and run and run and run on issues which are peripheral, totally peripheral, totally peripheral. And we've seen with issue-orientated politics, which have dominated the reform agenda in this country for the last four to five decades, what we have seen is the fourth estate turning their back on the harder questions, the questions of economic inequality, the questions of inequality in power, the questions about political and social reform, Questions about uh, Indigenous um, rights, treaty, they run a mile. All the important questions are never discussed. They're aired for a few hours, then they disappear. The unimportant questions they're constantly day after day after day and that's our job here at the Anarchist World this week is to bring up the important issues to encourage you to get involved 
to encourage you to become part of the opposition because we are the people we've been waiting for. We are the people we've been waiting for. And if you've been waiting for the government of the day or Her Majesty's loyal opposition or for the corporate-owned media or the government-gilded ABC or the corporate sector or all these bodgy government-appointed committees which are there to protect your so-called rights, to do the right thing by you, if you've been waiting for them, nothing happens. We are the people we've been waiting for. We are the opposition. Not the alternative Liberal Party masquerading as the Labor Party, the party that's taken the U out of Labor. Look at the way Labor is spelt L-A-B-O-R, not L-A-B-O-U-R. Since they took the, the U out of Labor, the Labor Party is basically becoming another corporate-owned party. Look at the current party. And the great tragedy about the election loss was the fact that any moves towards reform have now been put on the back burner. Because the Labor Party found out, under Shorten, one very important lesson in this country. One exceptionally important lesson in this country. And everybody says the Labor Party didn't sell its policies. It didn't sell its policies regarding negative gearing. It didn't sell its policies regarding franking credits. It didn't sell its policies regarding climate change. How do you sell a reform agenda, let alone a revolutionary agenda, in a country where the fourth estate works hand in glove with that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication, especially when they own the means of communication. And nothing highlights this more than the situation in Queensland, where the Murdoch media is the only legacy media left in that state and it's been like that for as long as I can remember because I was born there over 60 years ago and all I remember is the Murdoch media's stranglehold on opinion, stranglehold on the way issues are raised. For example, the caravan to Adani. Somehow it was blown up into this thing about it was an insult to the people of Queensland. Maybe the caravan to Adani was there to assist the people of Queensland to tackle the issue of climate change. Then we have the issue of franking credits, where all of a sudden in Queensland it became an issue about death duties and an issue about people losing their pensions. I came across a poor old woman. Well, poor, poor couple, I should say, a man and a woman a week after the election, who I'd known for some time, and I, they said, oh, we changed our vote, Joe. We, we voted for Mr Morrison and his government. I said, why? They said, all this talk about franking credits. Now, I knew these people were pensioners, old-age pensioners, and I said, do you own shares? I didn't know you owned shares. And even if they did, they would have been protected under the, the, these proposed minor reform proposals 
put forward by the Alternative Liberal Party masquerading as the ALP. They said, oh, no, 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 no. But we thought it would affect our pensions. We were told this. We were told this by our local politicians. That removing a franking credits would mean that we would lose our pensions. So you had a campaign of disinformation. It's not about being a, it's about not having the capacity to sell your ideas. Even the most mildly reformist ideas in this country are pushed aside by a fourth state which hands works hand in glove as I said before, with those who exercise power and concentrate wealth in this country. So that's why it's particularly important that as individuals and as groups that we create our own presence, that we don't rely on others to do our work for us that we don't think that somehow the fourth estate is going to jump on our bandwagon because it's not. Because our ideas are ideas about devolving power, sharing power, sharing wealth, attacking inequality. That's centre, centre, left and centre of the viewpoints of public interest before corporate interest. And as I said before, We've been trying to get enough members, 550 in the electoral roll, the Australian electoral roll, in order to register as a political party. Not because we think we'll be elected into parliament. We would be foolish to think that. But because the tenor of the debate in this country needs to be changed. It needs to be changed. It needs to focus on the growing inequalities in this community. And as I say over and over again, 25 million people living on a resource-rich continent shouldn't have the problems we have today in our society. If we can't address these issues, who else can address these issues? We have everything needed to address the issues of inequality except the political desire and the political will, the cultural desire and the cultural will, the social desire and the social will to change what we see. So we are the people we've been waiting for. We are the opposition. We are the opposition. And as an opposition, we need to be able to organise regarding specific issues. And one way to do that, as I said before, is to join public interest before corporate interests. And if you're interested, go to the uh, webpage, pipsy.net, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Download the application form, join. The sooner... We're registered as a federal political party. The sooner we can stand in by-elections, the sooner we can change the political debate, the sooner we can push change. Because the political debate today, if you look at the Senate crossbenches and the crossbenches in the legislative, uh, uh, in the in the House of Representatives, 
It's all about more privatisation, more globalisation, more deregulation, more corporatisation. It's not the other way. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, I do know there are a number of vegans listening to the program and they get a little bit upset when I talk about slaughtering sacred cows. Well, I'm going to make, I'm going to upset you a bit more today. I'm going to slaughter. The, I'm going to talk about slaughtering the geese that laid the golden eggs. Now, a country or a sovereign state or a sovereign national, you know, national state, it's not much different to a a unit, a family unit. You know, a family unit. Maybe people are genetically related, or maybe you know they. People just come together. And there's ink in a capitalist society. Money goes in and money goes out. Now, in Australia, in the 21st century, money goes out and we're told there's never enough money to cover public education or public health or provide a decent uh, allowance for people on a new start or disability support pensions you know, that we need to torture them, you know, give them all these stupid tasks to do in order to keep them busy, in order they can, you know, collect their miserable pennies at the end of the day, that we need to do all this because there's never enough money. And they're right. There isn't enough money. And there isn't enough money for one very important reason. Income tax is still the backbone of the revenue which is raised by the federal government. Over 65% of taxation revenue comes from income tax and less than 20% comes from corporate or company tax. That's right. They're still making record profits. They're still not paying their fair share of tax and they're doing it legally and they're laughing at us. Now, in the good old days, and I put good in inverted commas, there's no such thing as a good old day, the geese laid golden eggs and the Treasury was able to augment their income by cashing in those golden eggs. So what are those golden eggs? Well, those golden eggs were all the profitable resources that were owned by the Commonwealth Government. They were the golden eggs. And all those geese have now been slaughtered, sold off in a privatisation fire sale. Commonwealth Bank, profitable organisation, put money in the Treasury every year, privatised. Thank you, Hawke Keating. Beasley. The country's airports, privatised. Thank you, Mr Howard. The country's ports, privatised to a significant degree. And the list goes on and on. Telstra, privatised. The old telecom, privatised. Even Medibank, private which finds itself in a difficult situation today since it's been privatised, was returning $100 million a year to the Federal Treasury in profit. So not all 
industries, services which are owned by the public were loss makers. Many were making a profit. And that profit was used to provide services to the community. But now we have killed all those geese. There are no more golden eggs. And we've become totally reliant on the private sector to brush off crumbs off the corporate table in order for us to fight amongst ourselves to eat those crumbs. And that's what we see on a daily basis. We see people fighting constantly in this country, people who should be working together, fighting over corporate crumbs because their divide and rule policies have been particularly effective during the so-called culture wars in this country where we have people who are oppressed identifying with their oppressor and giving their oppressor the vote. Wonderful state of affairs. Wonderful state of affairs. So, we've killed those geese. Maybe we should create some new geese. Maybe all those private companies that are exploiting our mineral resources need to be nationalised. And the money which is made from exploiting our mineral resources doesn't go to a handful of billionaires, but actually flows back into the community, not through you know, peppercorn royalties or uh, taxation revenue from a... Uh, corporate sector does everything it can not to, you know, not to pull its fair share. They're the leaners in society, not those people who require Social Security benefits to survive. So the list goes on and on. So the golden geese, dead. No more golden eggs. More reliance on the private sector. More privatisation. Now of government services given to a bloated private sector which waste 40 cents in every dollar given to it by the taxpayer for administration and profit. That's the extraordinary thing about Australia in 2019. This is the society Mr Morrison and the Liberal National Party is currently presiding over. And we're all happy. We're all happy clapping, happy clapping, happy clapping because we have these wonderful people making wonderful decisions against our best interests. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Now, those people who are regular listeners to the program know that we have been conducting a pretty vigorous defend and extend public housing campaign in the state of Victoria for the last, since the end of 2016. Let's be brutally realistic with minimal, minimal success. And it's interesting how it's the Labor government that has been at the forefront of the movement to privatise what's left of the public housing sector in Victoria. And they do this by a number of ways. One, not conducting necessary repairs. Two, not investing in the public housing sector. Three, not not uh, creating uh, new public housing. Four, going to private par- public partnerships where 90% of new housing goes to the private sector and 10% goes to the public and the list goes on and on and on. And we've conducted this campaign for a a number of uh, years, uh, weekly vigils, 10-day 
vigil at the end of 2018, uh, monthly uh, vigils, 24-hour vigils on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House every uh, two or three months, and the list goes on and on. And as I said before, minimal success. One member of the Legislative, two members of the Legislative uh, Council, the 40-member Council, the Victorian Parliament, have expressed some minor interest and possibly Green members in the uh, council, the one person in the council and three in the Legislative Assembly and possibly one independent have expressed, again, some interest in the campaign. But as far as the rest of the political parties are concerned, public housing is deja vu, yesterday's issue. And the Victorian state government continues to destroy the public housing sector. And the usual suspects who should be there on the steps of Parliament House, who should be knocking on their parliamentarians' doors, are not there. The religious-based organisations, those that provide services to the homeless, those who provide crisis accommodation, they're not there. And I'll tell you why they're not there. Because this privatisation juggernaut is built on steel and concrete, not quicksand. And the affordable housing sector and the social housing sector have been co-opted with the promise of getting the titles, with the promise of these privately owned organisations managing the titles and then using the titles to create more of so-called affordable housing. So what happens is you move you know, to a corporate, basically, landlord. Nothing more, nothing less. And the issue of homelessness and the issue of housing security continues to be a major issue, not just in Victoria, but across the country. And our slogan is very simple. It is such a pathetically simple slogan. And the slogan is this. If you quarantine the money which is raised from stamp duty revenue, which is levied on the purchase of a home for public housing which is $6 billion per year approximately in Victoria. You could resolve the problem of homelessness in one month. You could find housing for the 100,000 people on the public housing list in one year. You could house a million Victorians in public housing within a decade. And you could do this across the country, in every state and every territory in the country. It's a matter of political will. It's not a matter of blood in the streets and revolution and the guillotine and all that horrible things. It's just a matter of the 40, in Victoria, the 40 members of the Legislative Council, a majority and the 88, and a majority of the 88 members in the Legislative Assembly voting to quarantine stamp duty revenue. And people say, oh, oh, the state will fall apart. What's more important, level crossings or providing secure, safe housing? Now, the problem has got even worse because last year the, uh, the, the um, state government of Victoria voted to meld to incorporate the public housing waiting list and the waiting list for community affordable housing into one waiting list. But over the last month, the, the 2,500 housing units in Victoria which have been run under the cooperative umbrella where the titles are owned by the state government but the housing units have been run cooperatively by the members themselves 
have now been placed on the Victorian Housing Register. And the cooperatives will be dissolved over the next few months and outside managers will be brought in to regulate this marketplace. So what we've seen now is the housing cooperative sector, that which is owned by the state government, public housing and affordable and community housing incorporated into the same waiting list, which means that the privatisation agenda, which has been pushed by Mr Richard Wynne, the current housing minister, continues to expand in Victoria. So 30 years of attempting to establish a cooperative network of public housing has now come to an end. And we are now seeing the death rows. That's right. The death rows of public housing in Victoria. And that means increasing homelessness, increasing housing insecurity, increasing violence, increasing crime, increasing insecurity... And what you are doing is you are pushing a generation of children away from society into a life, a difficult life, if not a life of criminal activity. And this is a direct consequence of Labor Party policy in the state of Victoria, where public housing has now disappeared The word public is no longer used. The only time it was used when the government was forced to use the word public before the state election because it felt that it was vulnerable because of activities of groups like ours, groups like Friends of Public Housing, Defend and Extend Public Housing, Public Housing, Everybody's Business, and the list goes on and on. So what are we going to do to escalate this struggle? Because the incorporation of the cooperative housing sector, the state government cooperative housing sector, into the Victorian Housing Register and the removal of the cooperative aspects of this housing is the last straw. Well, we'll be holding... Again, we'll continue our Wednesday evening vigils from 5.30pm to 6.30pm in September. But 11.30pm on Thursday, the 26th of September, to 11.30pm Friday, the 27th of September, we will be holding, and that's public housing, everybody's business, and defend and extend public housing, a 24-hour vigil on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. So what is significant about this day? Well, Friday the 27th, which is the day the vigil is, will be, day and night the vigil is held on, is, is, is the day before grand final. It is a public holiday in Victoria. There'll be tens of thousands of people wandering the streets of the Melbourne CBD supporting their favourite football team. There'll be thousands of people, 
you know, uh, crowding around the treasury, the old treasury building at the corner of Collins and Spring Street to celebrate the cavalcade of footballers, you know, the spectacle, to celebrate the spectacle. But 200 metres up the road on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House, we will be there with our banners to highlight the significant and important issue of public housing. We've just announced this event now. It will go ahead. It'll go ahead from 11.30pm Thursday. That's 11.30pm Thursday the 26th of September to 11.30pm Friday the 27th of September on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. A 24-hour vigil, a 24-hour peaceful vigil at the corner of Spring and Burke Street, while all around us the city will be exploding in a spectacle of colour as football supporters get ready for what is to be, well, you know, they think is the most important day of the year, grand final day. (laughs) Think about it. Think about the spectacle. We will be the spectacle. You've been listening to the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. I've been hosting this program. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. You can uh, join public interest before corporate interests. Uh, download the application for pipsy.net. You can go to the Defend and Extend Public Housing webpage, the Public Housing Everybody's Business webpage. You can follow the Twitter stream, pipsy, P-I-B-C-I underscore A-U. You can go to the uh, our YouTube channel, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. You'll see my beautiful face every week on another topic. I think this week we'll talk about slaughtering the geese that laid the golden eggs. Last week we spoke about evil. You can write to us. Yes, I do answer letters. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. And don't forget, the West Papua Rent Collective needs you. Currently, West Papua is in a difficult turmoil. People are being killed. People are protesting. People want their independence. Join the West Papua Rent Collective. Give me a call on 0439 395 489. And don't forget that on the Friday the 6th of September, between 4 and 6pm, the Ballarat Division of the West Papuan uh, Support Group will be outside collecting signatures in Sturt Street, near uh, the corner of Sturt Street and Doveton Street, at the rotunda there, between 4 and 6pm on Friday the uh, 6th of September. Thank you for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3CR dot org dot au that's 3cr.org.au the pod the program is podcast you can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au listen in to the anarchist world this week next week on your local community radio station courtesy of the community radio network australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse 10am every wednesday listen to the anarchist world this week for an up-to-date analysis of local national and international events 
brainwash minds. Oh, Lord, yeah. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.